Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. I am Thomas Bendit manager of bt powerhouse and it's finally here (laughs) we're finally to the college basketball season um really really excited about the season in general um really excited about the big 10 this year uh a lot of action and it should be should be really fun um yeah it, it it it's just it's just exciting to finally be here. Um, I mean, if you if you read the site, if you follow us, obviously you know we've been previewing the season for months and months. Pretty much, uh, I think the day after we put up power rankings, uh, the day after uh, the championship game last year. So I mean, uh, you know, you're talking months and months. Um, you know, at least me, I've been doing the team previews uh, this year. Uh, I think I had like 70,000 words in those. So it's been a long process. It's been fun, but it's nice to finally have some basketball. Um, but just to go over a few kind of uh, business notes here before we we start previewing today's action and some of the, the season stuff here. Um, we're going to have a weekly podcast now during the season, um, at least for the non-conference season. We're going to be every Friday morning, we're going to have the podcast um, Hopefully it'll be up on the site Friday afternoon. Um, we are going to have intermittently uh, some midweek ones, uh, maybe a second one on Friday. Today is actually a day we're going to have a second one. Um, but that I'll save that stuff for the next podcast. But um, once a week we'll have the podcast. And our kind of concept is we're going to have the first 30 minutes or so, we're just going to chat about the Big Ten, what's been going on, and then we're going to have a, a special guest in the second half. Uh, today's is SB Nation's Ricky O'Donnell. Um, he's our uh, SB Nation's national college basketball uh, editor, and he'll be on to chat kind of what's going on around the country, some of the teams to watch, uh, where the Big Ten fits in. So really excited for that. But, yeah, just wanted to get that out there to let you guys know uh, when to expect the podcast, uh, what's coming. But But with that... Why don't we get to uh, today's action? And and today we have uh, Josh Stern from our from our own site. Uh, Josh, how you doing? Doing very well, Thomas. How about you? Good, good. Excited. It's finally here. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was just talking about you know months of months of previews, and they're finally they're finally done. So excited for that. <laughs> um, so Josh, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know today's an action-packed day. I think. I just did our our daily preview and 11 teams in action today from the Big Ten. Um, first, what what are your general thoughts coming into today? Uh, and I don't know if you've had a chance to look through today's schedule, but but what's what's the big game you're excited for today? Um, I haven't had a a huge chance. Um, I think uh, probably the game that stands out now that wouldn't have stood out maybe a week ago is the Gardner Webb at Iowa game. Um, I mean, Iowa lost at home to Augustana, who 
is one of the best Division II teams in the country. I mean, you can't take anything away from them, but still a team Iowa should be at home. I um, mean, Gardner-Webb's supposed to be pretty good this year, so I think that game kind of jumps out. And then I'll be attending the Michigan game tonight. Um, you know, as you and I have discussed before, Michigan had a really rough season last year. They're ranked 25. Can they get back? I mean, Karis LeBert looked unbelievable in the first exhibition game. Um, so I'd love to see how he responds. Um, and Wisconsin, too, I guess. I mean, you know that with Wisconsin, you have Nigel Hayes and you have Bronson Koenig, but I think the big question with them is who else do they have? So those are the three games for me today that, that are really going to catch my eye. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. We we actually selected, uh, you know, half promotional reasons, half uh, <laughs> uh, legitimate reasons, but our, pre- our preview is up on the site today. And, yeah, our game of the day is uh, Gardner-Webb at Iowa. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think this would have been the game of the night uh, for today if Iowa hadn't gone down uh, last, last Friday to uh, – um, Augustana, I guess is how it's pronounced, but uh, the, nonetheless, the D2 power uh, that you were talking about, but um, yeah, Iowa, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, kind of held back, you know, it was an exhibition game. Um, don't panic. I mean, it doesn't even count for your record, but um, definitely this game has a lot more intrigue because, you know, if it, if it's a pattern, I think a lot of the, the preseason predictions for Iowa uh, will probably be out the door. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm also going to be at the, the Michigan game tonight. So I, I'm excited for that for similar reasons as you described. Um, and then the other game, I think, I think that we, we definitely have to mention off the top is, uh, Maryland debuts, um, Maryland, the, I assume by almost everyone preseason favorite to win the big 10. Um, they should have a pretty, pretty easy opener. Um, Mount St. Mary's did have a respectable defense last year. So maybe they'll make the Terps work a little bit, but yeah, I think it's going to be a, uh, an exciting day. Not, not too many huge matchups, but, uh, a few, a few interesting ones. Um, what, uh, what, big, what, question, big question with oh, Maryland, by the way, you know, Dion, Dion Wiley's out, uh, what seems to be like for the year. Um, how do you think tonight affects them? Do they go with a shorter bench? Do they use someone that maybe wasn't going to fit into the rotation? I'm just curious as to what you think and what Maryland's going to try to do with Wiley's injury. You know, this is actually, you know, that's actually one of the things I, I talked about in my preview, um, my season preview for them, because uh, mine didn't come out until after the injury. So I kind of had that, that foresight there, but um, yeah, you know, one of the things about Maryland is, you know, we always talk about how loaded the roster is, how loaded the starting lineup is. Um, I don't think there's any debating that, that Maryland has the best roster in the conference and their starting lineup is just awesome. There's no weaknesses, at least on paper, in it. But but one of the things, yeah, you know, their bench I don't think is quite as deep as some make it out to be. And because, I mean, if you kind of look through their shooting guard, small forward, power forward, with Wiley out, it's really going to revolve around four guys in all likelihood, which is not a major red flag because those four guys are supposed to be pretty good. <laughs> um you know, I'm talking about uh, Carter, Lehman, um, Suleiman, and uh, Nickens. But, yeah, it you know, if, if one of those guys struggles or if there's some injury trouble, I, I think that could be a weakness. Uh, is that something you agree with? Um, yeah, wait. I, I thought that uh, both Suleiman and Lehman were, were going to be starters. Um, or were, you, were you just specifically talking about the backcourt there? No, no. Um, 
most people actually have Nickens starting over Suleiman now at, at shooting mm-hmm. guard. Um, and they're kind of expecting Layman's going to start at the small forward and Carter's right. going to start at power forward. Um, kind of what I'm anticipating is they're going to kind of be each other's bench minutes, if that makes sense. Um, you know, when Carter yeah, goes yeah, to the no bench, doubt. yeah, Layman will move down, uh, and then they'll bring Nickens in for Layman or, you know, vice versa, whatever. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, if there is a weakness, that's, that's the one that pops out to me at least. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I was, I wrote this to you earlier that I was, I was kind of uh, yelled at on, uh, on one of my posts <laughs> that I, I did for Maryland last year. And, you know, it was, it was yelling at me about the bench, but I think the biggest thing that you and I both agree on is, you know, they have a lot of nice bench pieces, but some of them are unproven. I mean, look, Diamond Stone has never played a college game, um, and you have a bunch of these guys. I mean, you know, there, there was a reason that Suleiman was kicked off of the Duke team. It's not like he was spectacular, and Duke said, you know, go free and, and go wherever you want. I mean, there was a reason he <laughs> left. So, so maybe there are potential character issues there. Um, I don't know. It's a lot of new pieces. And, be, and, you know, so it would be really interesting to see how all of these pieces kind of work together. And I think the first couple weeks of the season might not be so smooth, but I think, you know, we're talking more February and March when, when things really, really start to gel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the things we do have to note, you know, when we're talking about depth and bench uh, issues and stuff like that, I mean, there have been plenty of teams that have went deep, deep into the tournament. They've won the Big Ten with very, very thin benches. Um, you know, and I'm thinking of teams like Ohio State <laughs> um, a few years back, you know, when they were they were in their runs. Um, Michigan a couple years ago when they won the Big Ten had a pretty thin bench. Um, so I think that is something you have to kind of like at least note that, you know, like Layman, you know, we're talking about his bench guy, but he's probably going to play like 30 minutes a game. So, I mean, it's not it's not massive minutes there. But but yeah, you know, I I do think, you know, you're talking about, you know, at like point guard. Uh, a lot of people are high on Jalen Brantley. Um, I think he's going to be solid, but again, you know, as you were saying, we haven't seen him yet. Um, and he's not a five-star mega recruit like, like Diamond Stone. So that's going to be interesting to see like how he plays, um, how Suleiman fits in. Um, and what I, what I think is one of the, the mystery guys in the big 10, uh, Robert Carter at, at power forward for Maryland, who, uh, is going to be particularly interesting, <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, but yeah, with, with that, why don't, why don't we jump into, a a couple of these other games we haven't hit on at all yet. Um, and one in particular for me is, uh, UMass Lowell at Northwestern. Um, UMass is expected to be a pretty terrible team this year, so I'm not expecting a great game, but, uh, Vic Law went down for Northwestern over this week, uh, for the whole season. He's kind of expected to be one of their their big guys this year. Uh, what what was your reaction to that? And kind of what do you expect in uh, as an impact uh, due to Law's injury? Sure. Um, so, little spoiler alert: we have our our Big Ten roundtable coming up later this afternoon. But uh, but in it, I had uh, Aaron Salzon as my as my freshman of the year. Um, I thought that that when Law went down, that uh, Salzon being able to uh, to step up. Um, you know, the kid is a real knockdown shooter. He's, I think, about 6'7 or 6'8, so he can play the 3 or the 4. Um, and I think, I mean, for Northwestern, it really hurts. I think they were a fringe NCAA tournament team without him, uh, with him. 
um, just between length and defensive versatility and athleticism. I mean, Law brings a lot to the table that Northwestern normally doesn't get in their recruits. Um, and he was, I mean, he wasn't great at the beginning, but he really came on strong at the end of last year. Um, but I think the thing with Northwestern always is, is depth. Is you know they have a bunch of okay guys, but they never have they've never played a deep bench. They didn't play um, a particularly deep bench last year. Um, and you know they have a couple really great pieces. I mean Bryant McIntosh is amazing. I think uh, Alex Ola has gotten better every year. Um, and you have guys like Sanjay Lumpkin and Trey Demps. You know that you have solid, reliable pieces, but I still don't think that they have enough to make the tournament. I don't think they had enough with Law, but I think they still lack a little bit too much without him. Yeah, I, I think I was I was a little bit lower on Northwestern than you uh, originally. Um, I think I had them like ninth or, or ninth or tenth in the conference, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had them solidly in the NIT. I thought they were an NIT. I didn't think, you know, I, I'm sure there would be, you know, coming into March, there'd be a crazy scenario where they could get in without winning the Big Ten tournament. But I kind of figured they would be realistically locked out uh, heading into the last month. But, um, yeah, and, and my big thing is, you know, I, I think they're going to get better, but it's just a question of how much better, obviously. And I, with law going down, I'm I'm definitely, you know, sticking with that. I, de- I think they're good enough to make the NIT. I know some people are, are selling them on as an NIT team now, which I don't really get. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think the NCAA tournament is probably out of the picture unless, you know, Falzon or, or somebody just blows up. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, a big loss for a big loss for them. And it'll be, it's going to be interesting to watch that, that wing rotation now um, into the, in tonight's game. But uh, yeah, I think I think the one interesting thing though with Northwestern is that you and I have talked about before is their schedule is so bad at the beginning that they could be like Penn State and maybe go nine and two or ten and one at the beginning of the year, and people are going to go, "Oh, Northwestern's really good. They have a shot to go to finally make the tournament." And people are going to get way too high on them, and I think that they're going to underachieve in the Big Ten. So definitely something to look for in terms of watching them get off to an extremely hot start with a really really mediocre non conference schedule. Oh yeah, for sure. And one and one thing I did I did want to note. I saw someone pick on uh this is just just for uh laughs here. Uh I saw someone pick Northwestern to uh what was it? To lose four Big 10 or four non-conference games and win 10 Big 10 games. So go 10 and 8 in Big 10 play. Which is just the most ridiculous pick I've ever seen in my life. Um, cuz again, you know, not to repeat this whole thing, but Northwestern basically is going to play like one to two good teams in non-conference play. I mean, the rest are just going to be terrible. So the idea that they're going to win 10 big 10 games and lose four non-conference games is just, is just ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, Good, good entertaining uh, Twitter universe, but, um, but yeah, moving on, I guess uh, from Northwestern uh, one, one other game I did want to hit on, um, before we kind of move on to a couple other things, uh, is the Rutgers game. Um, I know not everybody uh, elsewhere is super excited for this game, but I think there are some interesting elements uh, to this game that uh, a lot of people aren't talking about. Um, they're playing Rutgers, Newark. Uh, it should be a pretty easy win, um, as most of these games should be. But um, incoming freshman Corey Sanders, who is expected to not only start for Rutgers, but to be one of the best players on the team. Uh, he's out for the game due to an NCAA issue. 
He will be back uh, on for their game on Sunday. And also uh, Shaquille Dorson, who was expected to be a, a solid contributor, is also out indefinitely due to, uh, I believe it's a knee injury. But, um, but yeah, what, what do you make of this game? How important do you think this game is for Rutgers? And, um, yeah, I guess, I guess what are you expecting out of them? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a – it's a big game for Rutgers. I think universally people have picked Rutgers 13th or 14th in the Big Ten. Um, I think they're expected to struggle mightily this year in the in a really loaded conference. Um, yeah, I think this is one of those games you have to win. It's it's against another uh, Rutgers school. Um, it's their first game of the season. I, I think, like you said, not having Sanders is going to be a bit of a blow, especially because he's expected to play 30-plus minutes a game. Um, yeah, but, I, I mean – for Rutgers, you know, they're looking potentially, you know, at their ceiling is, is the NIT. And these are the kinds of games you just can't drop. You just have to win at home. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's tough, really, to get excited and to, and to go on too much about Rutgers because they're really not expected <laughs> to be very good. But I think I think they were projected, what, like 270th or something, some crazy stat like that for a Power 5 conference team. So hopefully they win tonight, but, you know, not looking at, at much of the future for Rutgers this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it should be, uh, I, I think it'll tell a little bit about where this team is headed, but, but yeah, um, outside of that, there are a couple other games, uh, Illinois plays North Florida, Eastern Illinois plays Indiana, um, I think we hit Florida Atlantic plays Michigan State, UMKC plays, uh, Minnesota, and North Carolina A&T play at Purdue, um, any anything notable for you about any of those games? I know for me, I'm I'm kind of just expecting blowouts um, and pretty easy wins. Um, I'm just excited to see Purdue. Um, I know people have been extremely high on Purdue. They're they're ranked 23rd by uh, by ESPN. Um, a lot of a lot of moving pieces. Uh, you know, a ton of talent returns, and then you have the two monster seven footers in uh, AJ Hammonds and Isaac Hoff. So I'm just interested to see. How uh, how Matt Painter plays that rotation and and how he's going to rotate those guys, um, yeah. And I I just want to see whether Purdue is legit or I mean tonight won't tell us much, but you know down the line whether Purdue is a, a contender or a pretender mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I was going to take Purdue, but since you took them, I'll uh, I'll take the Minnesota <laughs> game. And uh, you know one of, one of the interesting things about Minnesota, you know people are a little bit uh, iffy on them, but. I think generally most people don't have too high expectations for them, but the big, the big issue they have is the front court. There isn't a lot of depth there. There really aren't any known quantities. Um, and Bakari uh, Kante, he is uh, dealing with an injury right now. Um, so I think this is a good game to tell kind of what else you have up there. And uh, I, I think that, that could really tell us whether, you know, Minnesota has a chance to be better than what people are projecting. Um, and I think right now I had them in like 11th or 12th, something like that in the conference. So that'll, that'll be a one interesting thing to watch from that game. But yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm not expecting too much out of those other games. Um, you know, maybe see if some of the new guys can contribute, but, but with that, I, I did want us to, uh, you know, with the season starting today, I did want us to hit on a couple of the, the general picks and predictions and, and stuff like that, um, you know, as, as we get started here. So I'm just going to go down the line. You give me your pick uh, slash prediction for, for each one of these, if that's cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
So Big Ten champion, uh, who do you have winning the conference? Maryland. Uh, too much depth. Um, and I wrote, I love Jake Lehman. His versatility is one of the best, if not the best, in the entire conference. And, and they just have too much going for them right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I also have Maryland. I think, um, you know, we can talk about, you know, who's the best player or, you know, how coaching is going to impact in. But, you know, they have the best starting lineup. They have the best roster. So I think overall that that's going to allow them to come out on top. Um, uh, Big Ten player of the year. Man, I mean, I'm a Michigan homer here, but I, I got to go with Harris LeVert. I just feel like he does too much on the court, passing, shooting, uh, creating. I mean, he led Michigan in every major statistical category before he went down for the year. Um, and he's going to play 35 with the game. Um, I know people are high on, on other guys and newcomers, but LeVert's a known commodity. He's a senior. Um, so I'm going with LeVert. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with the... I guess the the typical pick, whatever you want to call it, the standard pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Melo Trimble. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's head and shoulders above the conference. Uh, you know, obviously last year, Frank Kaminsky won it pretty easily. I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. But, you know, when you have a guy who's definitely in the top two or three and he's going to be on the best team, I think it's just, it's just hard to pick against them. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going with Trimble. Um, Big Ten freshman of the year. Uh, like I kind of mentioned before, I had Aaron Falzon. Um, we mentioned Northwestern's lack of depth on the wing, especially with Vic Law going out. Um, I think the biggest thing, too, is Falzon's going to play a ton of minutes. So a lot of these freshmen that are going to get kind of stuck behind more uh, proven players, um, you know. Uh, but, but at least Falzon is going to be able to play a ton of minutes. He can really shoot. I like his size. Um yeah, so a little bit of a surprising pick, but but that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I'm going again uh, with the typical pick. <laughs> I uh, I'm going with Maryland's Diamond Stone. I I pick sure. him very very hesitantly, um, and not because I don't like his game or I don't think he's going to be really good, but basically for the reasons you just described. You know, I don't know if he'll get enough touches to actually put up the stats. You know, I know we like to think in theory that you know, they just picked the best player, but we all know stats matter. We all know, you know, the hype machine and all that matters for this kind of stuff. So I pick him. If I wasn't going to pick him though, I would pick uh, Jaquan Lyle from Ohio state. I think he's going to play a ton. I think they're going to look to him to just kind of create a lot offensively. So I think he's a guy who can have a legitimate shot uh, at winning that award. Um, But with that, why don't we jump back to the the team side here? Um, NCAA tournament teams. Uh, how many teams do the, does the Big Ten get in, and uh, who are they, and uh, who I well I guess yeah, how many teams, and and who do you think makes it? Uh, so I had seven. I had Maryland, though in the conference, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I think I think Wisconsin and Iowa are gonna teeter. I'm think looking more at like a ten, eleven, twelve seed. I think it's gonna be close. Um, I think Purdue and Michigan we're talking three, four, five seed depending on how things break. Uh, I'm not as high on Indiana as most people. I think Indiana is more like a six seed to me, and uh, I think Maryland and Michigan State are looking at that uh, one to three seed. I think Maryland could be a top four seed. And I think Michigan State probably would be somewhere around two, three, or four seeds. Yeah, I 
I, I don't know if we have the same teams. Uh, I forgot who the your last couple were, but um, yeah, I'm gonna go with I. I think I got seven here. Uh, Maryland, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Um, yeah, we we agree. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think Maryland does have a, a legitimate shot at that number one seed. Um, first off, you know, I think they're going to win the conference, and I think the Big Ten is going to be at worst the second or third best conference in the country. So I think if you, if you have that, that's obviously a huge boost to your resume. And I think uh, the other thing they're going to have, which I don't want to get too off track, but the ACC has like three teams that are going to be like in the top 10. And I think those teams are going to beat up on each other a lot and kind of open the door for some teams that are usually a two to end up as a one. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think um, I am a little skeptical on Iowa making it, especially after that loss last weekend. But um, I, I do think they have enough on their roster. Um, obviously, you know, Big Ten season is going to be brutal. But I think, uh, I think they're going to slide in now. Um, the team who I have first out is going to be Ohio State. I, I, I'm just skeptical. They're so young. They're so inexperienced uh, to get the job done. Um, but, yeah, yeah, otherwise, I, I, I think we're, we're generally on, on similar terms with those teams. Um, what, what team do you think is going to – I guess be the the biggest surprise uh, positively the you know outperform expectations the most this year in the Big Ten. Um, I had Northwestern, but I, I'm kind of nervous, you know, making that pick again. Um, <laughs> you know, I I feel like and and I wrote this. I feel like at some point though they have to have a couple bounces of the ball go the right way. I mean, this is year either year three or year four for Chris Collins. Um, they have a bunch of his players now. They finally have his system. Um, you know, like I was saying, Alex O'Flaw is really good. Brian McIntosh is really good. They have all of these guys that are really starting um, to, to make Northwestern a legitimate basketball program that they haven't been um, probably ever if they've never made the tournament. Um, so I think around ninth or 10th for Northwestern, I think for them that uh, that's outperforming expectations. I think a lot of people have them lower, especially with a law injury. So I'm going to go with Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Iowa, uh, the similar reasons I talked of before. I don't think they're getting much national attention. I think Jared Utoff is one of the most underrated players in the country. Um, again, that, that loss last weekend kind of makes me hesitate to say that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes here. Um, on the flip side, uh, who do you think is going to underperform in this year's Big Ten? Uh, I'm going with Wisconsin. Um, a lot of people love Wisconsin. I mean, the East Gen ranking has them at 17, which I think is particularly ludicrous. Um, I don't really know who they have. I mean, look, Zach Showalter is probably going to start as shooting guard. We don't really know much about him. Uh, what Vito Brown comes back. We know a little bit about him. But there are so many guys on that team. I mean, look, Bo Ryan always finds a couple of these Wisconsin kids that we've never heard of that are super uh, low recruits and turn out to be really good players. But I just don't see enough depth from them and not enough proving commodities. So um, unless Bronson Koenig and Nigel Hayes are both two of the best 10 players in the country, I, I don't see Wisconsin living up to their expectations. Yeah, you know, I um, when I answered this question, I kind of had to a, a play both sides of the, of the street. Um, I think I'm lower on Purdue than a lot of people would like. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, though. I mean – I think people who kind of accurately view Wisconsin, I don't think I'm that much off 
from them. But for some reason, the national media is just so high on the Badgers right now. And I frankly just don't get it. Um, I think Wisconsin's going to be good. I think they're going to make the tournament. I think they'll be in top 25 contention consideration, receiving votes, I should say. But um, sure. I, I mean, I've seen them at 15. I've seen them easily up there competing for the Big Ten. And yeah, you know, for the same reasons you said, I just don't, I just don't see it, you know, I mean. I don't know who they have. That's really what I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I understand the the whole benefit of the doubt thing, but I feel like some of the biggest, you know, arguments for Wisconsin uh, just are because Bo Ryan's the head coach. And I think when you start getting into that uh, territory, I I know he has a very proven record, and I I don't want to minimize, you know, his history in Madison at all. But I think when you get to the point when you just kind of assume a coach is going to magically whip up players, I I think you start getting into uh, (laughs) way too much speculation, and and it's really flawed analysis, in my opinion. And I think they have two guys who could be all Big Ten players, and I think they have all question marks around them. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so I'm going to go with Wisconsin as well. I just – I think some of the – and this is strictly with the national thing. I think most of the Big Ten people have Wisconsin more accurately placed, but but sure. for the the national Big Ten people or the national writers, I, I think they have Wisconsin uh, a little too high. But um, but with that, why don't we why don't we move a little bit uh, national here? I know uh, our SB Nation uh, college basketball uh, editor will be joining us soon, so I I wanted to get into kind of your your national predictions here uh, before we have him on. Uh, who do you see competing for the title this year? Who do you who do you see as some of the Final Four teams? Uh, just to, uh, I guess in the national scope, uh, not so Big Ten focused. Sure. Um, well, I guess we'll start Big Ten focused. We might as well. I think Maryland you have to put in there as one of the five or seven teams uh, that has a legit shot. Um, obviously, North Carolina. I mean, they have a ton of pieces back. Um, personally, I love. Uh, Kennedy Meeks and and JP Tokido and Marcus Page, um, but um, you know they're number one right now. But but who knows? And then obviously Kentucky's always in there. Um, I mean I, I love Jamal Murray. I watched him this summer at the at the Pan American Games, and man, I mean he he was playing against grown men, and he looked like the best player on the court for the majority of the minutes, and he's. I mean, he's spectacular. The way he passes, the way he shoots. I don't know how they got him to reclassify and commit to Kentucky so easily, but I'll stay out of that. Um, and then Kansas. I mean, Kansas this summer went to, I think they played in the, like the under-19 championship or something. I don't know exactly what it was, but they pretty much took the uh, the Kansas team and and went and they won the, the entire tournament uh, against a bunch of other international teams. And so I think – you know, just being being able to play together will uh, will immensely help. They have this Ukrainian kid that I think was like 17 at the start of last season who wasn't great, but he's an unbelievable shooter. And if they can get any production out of him, I mean, they could just be unbelievable too. And then Duke. I think it's crazy how Duke kind of reloaded as much as they did by, you know, they lost Okafor, they lost Tyus Jones, they lost Winslow. And then they just bring all these guys back. And they have Grayson Allen, Um I'm I'm curious to see how the front court rotation works out. I mean, you have Emil Jefferson and Plumlee, um, two guys that have been in the program for a while. Are they going to start? Are they going to come off the bench? How's that going to work? I get the sense that, that they're both pretty selfless guys, but I'm curious to see how that rotation is going to work itself out. Um, 
And then my last team, I guess, is Gonzaga. Um, I think they have undoubtedly the best front court in the nation with Wiltshire, with Sabonis, with Jim Karnowski. The guards, it's a little bit uh, a little bit unclear as to, to who's going to be the lead guard and who's going to kind of step up, but just the three of them in the front court, if they can play and if they can start together, I think, I mean, they have a chance to, to make a serious run this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely some interesting picks. But, uh, but Josh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your picks, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I guess to, to give us some more some more knowledge on on the national scene, we have our uh, SB Nation College basketball writer uh, Ricky O'Donnell with us. Uh, Ricky, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. And we're uh, we're really excited to have you here to kind of chat uh, some of the the national stuff here. Um, talking about kind of more of the Big Ten focused and uh Josh gave his predictions there. But um what 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 do you think should uh I guess your general fan be aware of coming into this year, some of the big storylines uh for college basketball? I think the first thing is that last year there were so many great teams in college basketball. Uh Kentucky obviously starting the season thirty eight no it sort of hung over the entire year uh into the final four. But also that Wisconsin team bringing back, uh, you know, borderline first-round picks from a year before that in Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker, that really made them a powerhouse team last year. Uh, Duke obviously bringing in four McDonald's All-American freshmen who ended up scoring 60 of the team's 58 points in the national title game to, to win that game. Even Arizona was a loaded team last year. If you look at Stanley Johnson, Rondé Howes, Jefferson, T.J. McConnell, I think there were there was basically no doubt last year that uh, a, a great team was going to be the NCAA champion. Uh, this year, I think the season is a lot more wide open. I think the teams at the top of the rankings right now are unquestionably weaker than they were a year ago. And that's exciting for the rest of the country because, uh, let's be honest, most schools did not have a chance against teams like Wisconsin, Kentucky, and Duke last year. But this season, I think it's wide open. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, one one or two teams uh, making an unlikely run to the Final Four this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. I know last year's Final Four was kind of the battle. Uh, it'll be interesting if we can get a couple out. But uh, moving on, a little a thing a little bit closer to our hearts, uh, at least for, for our listeners, uh, the Big Ten. Um, I, I think it's the best conference. But they have most NCAA tournament teams, and they have the most teams in the Final Four. How do you plan fitting the national picture this year and, I guess, performing in the NCAA tournament? Uh, I'm sorry. I, you're breaking up. I couldn't hear the question. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> um, that's my, my question. How do you see the pretend fitting in, uh, in the national picture and, and in the NCAA tournament this year? Did you say Michigan State? <laughs> no, no. Um, The Big Ten. Oh, the Big Ten General. Sorry, yeah, you're breaking up. I couldn't hear you. Uh, the Big Ten General, I think, is going to, you know, it's going to be good. It's always good. Uh, it'll be interesting this year with Maryland sort of a sense uh, to potentially the top team in the country uh, starting the season. They, on paper, have just so much talent on this team. Uh, he starts with Melo Trimble, of course. Him coming back for his sophomore year was the boost that they needed to really become, uh, you know, potentially one of the top three, top five teams in the country. Uh, I think he's the best offensive point guard in college basketball this year. Great at drawing fouls, tremendous three-point shooter. Seems like he can get his own shot off the dribble whenever he wants to. Uh, and he's got a great cast of teammates this year. 
Robert Carter, who's a Georgia Tech transfer, is going to be their power forward. He's really, really talented. I think that he's someone who can tie the defense together. He's got long arms, blocks a lot of shots. He's going to be a great complement inside to Diamond Stone, who's their five-star freshman center they're bringing in. Uh, he's potentially a one-and-done type of player. He's, he's sort of an old-school uh, low-post scorer, more so than someone who would fit in with the pace and space movement of the way the game's going currently, but there's just not going to be a lot of opposing centers in the country who can match up to Diamond Stone, and I think having that type of option on the low block is going to make Maryland's offense even more dynamic. And then there's a lot of shooters. You can start with Jake Lehman, Jared Nickens, even Rashid Suleiman who transfers in from Duke. Uh, I think Maryland has a loaded team on paper. It'll just be interesting to see uh, if they're able to actually – uh, you know, produce a great offense and a great defense because under Mark Turgeon, it just hasn't been the case up to this point. Another team I really like is Indiana. Uh, I think Indiana is going to be super entertaining. I'm not sure how many games they're going to win, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament. To me, that's a team that could either go to the Final Four or lose in the round of 64 in the first round right away because their offense is phenomenal, led by Yogi Ferrell and James Blackman, one of the best backcourts in the country. Uh, and they're surrounded with shooters uh, off the bench in the starting lineup. The team could be one of the best offensive teams in the country. There's no doubt about it. The problem is the defense. Uh, the defense couldn't even crack the top 200 last year. They're bringing in a five-star freshman center named Thomas Bryant to try to tie everything together. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, this freshman can really save them defensively from day one because uh, this offense is going to be humming all year long, I think. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. The, the uh, I think I, I would definitely sort of team to watch. One of the teams that incredible defeated before. Everybody's always interested. What what fans expect at Kentucky this year? I can't hear you at all. I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Oh, okay. Um, what do you expect out of Kentucky this year? Kentucky? Did you say? I think we uh, lost him. Did you say Kentucky? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Kentucky is going to be great. Again, they were our preseason number one team in our ranking. Uh, I think Jamal Murray is potentially going to be the most dynamic player in the country this year. He was someone who... Uh, was the MVP of the Nike Hoop Summit, and then he ended up reclassifying from 2016 to this year, so he'd be eligible to play play this season. Uh, He's going to be part of a three-guard attack with Tyler Eulis and fellow five-star freshman Isaiah Briscoe there. They've got another great big man in the front court in freshman scale, Abissier, who could end up being the number one pick in the 2016 NBA draft. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how those three-point guards coexist on the floor together, Uh, but this Kentucky team's always going to have a talent advantage over everyone, and uh, I'm very excited to watch them on Tuesday play Duke at the United Center. I'm going to be there for that. It could be a really great way to uh, unofficially tip off the college season. Yeah, yeah. and obviously uh, that Champions Classic uh, in the United Center, it also has a second game uh, featuring a Big Ten team. Uh, Michigan State's going to be taking on Kansas. Uh, Hopefully you can hear me. (laughs) Uh, What do you expect out of that game? Yeah, that should be interesting. Uh, Michigan State played Duke in the Champions Classic last year, and I thought it was super obvious at the time that uh, that Michigan State team was just very flawed. They had nothing inside. They had no answer for Julio Okafor. 
Uh, and obviously, Okafor is a very rare type of player at uh, enter college basketball. There really wasn't someone as polished as him in terms of low post scoring to enter the game in a long time. Uh, and then, of course, that Michigan State team gets hot at the right time, just like it always seems like they do under Tom Izzo, makes a run to the Final Four as a seven seed. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Michigan State responds this year. That's a team where it almost feels like a transition year for Michigan State because they have such a talented recruiting class coming in next year uh, with just an abundance of five-star talents in that mix. This year, though, uh, they have Aaron Harris, who is a junior transfer from West Virginia. He could be an ace three-point shooter for him. They also have Denzel Valentine in his senior year. Valentine has really been one of the best players in the Big Ten uh, for the majority of his career. He's just a terrific talent, uh, do-it-all type forward for them. So it'll be interesting to see how he matches up uh, with the Kansas team that's just deep and experienced and talented at seemingly every position on the roster. So uh should be a great game, a good early season test for Michigan State and a good gauge of the Big Ten in general to see how they stack up with uh, one of the elite teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And and one of the, uh, you know, we always talk about, you know, the non-conference schedules kind of built into a couple events. And, and one of the big, obviously, events for the, the Big Ten is the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um what what are you expecting out of the ACC? Uh, what what are the the big teams to watch? You know, as as fans gear up for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and I I think less than a month now. Yeah, I mean, obviously with the ACC, you're going to be starting with Duke and North Carolina every single year. North Carolina just brings back everyone but JP Tokido from their starting lineup. Uh, Marcus Page is a broken hand right now, so he's going to miss. Uh, he's projected to miss their Big Ten ACC Challenge game, but. Uh, obviously, Carolina's got depth all over the roster. Marcus Page goes down there, plays him with another McDonald's All-American, Bill Perry. You also have Nate Britt, who's a little jitterbug guard who can uh, fill it up quickly for them. Think about North Carolina, and the reason I sort of wonder if they really are going to be a national contender this year is that last year they had all these guys. They lost in the Sweet 16 to a great Wisconsin team, yeah, but one of their problems the entire season was they just didn't have enough outside shooting aside from Marcus Page. Can anyone on this team hit three-pointers but Marcus Page? That's going to be the real question. They're going to need Justin Jackson to extend his range out to the three-point line to sort of open things up inside for Bryce Johnson and Kennedy Meeks. If a sophomore like uh, Pinson, Theo Pinson, can have a breakout year, that would be a big boost for them, but... Yeah, I mean, Carolina's loaded up and down the roster. There's no doubt. I just wonder if they have enough shooting to compete uh, nationally late in the season. And then there's Duke. uh, You know, Duke reloaded after losing Quinn Cook and three freshmen. Pretty crazy. They're a top-five team again, but that's what Coach K does. He's on an incredible hot streak right now recruiting-wise. This is another team where it almost feels like a holdover season because they have Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, two of the top three recruits in the country coming in next year along with Frank Jackson. Is a really good guard out of Utah. But uh, as for this season, Brandon Ingram's their five-star freshman. You know, started with, uh, I guess, Austin Rivers and Jabari Parker and Justice Winslow. Seems like Coach K is always building his team around a really dynamic forward, and this year it's, it's Ingram. So the the real question with Duke to me is, Coach K has played a lot of four-out lineups over the last few years. Uh, Winslow was able to pull that off, transitioning from three to the four tournament time that really sparked their run to the national championship. He was able to do it because he was so strong uh, and he could both defend and rebound at the four position. 
When Duke wants to slide Brandon Ingram up the lineup to the four, is he still going to be able to defend and rebound uh, at a suitable rate for that position? Ingram is tremendously talented. He's 6'10". He draws a lot of Kevin Durant comparisons, despite the fact just how ridiculous that is on the surface level. They do have a very similar body. They're uh, you know, 6'10", about 200 pounds, very skinny shooters. But Ingram is just so thin. Uh, he really is going to need to add muscle. That's going to be his, uh, you know, the number one thing everyone says about him entering the NBA draft. He's almost a for-sure one-and-done talent because he's just uh, an awesome player. But it'll be interesting to see if Ingram's able to uh, slide up the lineup to the floor and still hold his own. And if he can't, how does that affect Duke's offense? If they have to play Ingram at the three and play Jefferson and Plumlee at the same time, uh, that would be the type of two-post offense that Coach K has gone away from in recent years. So I think that uh, just sort of the offense-defense dynamic of Duke based around Brandon Ingram is really one of the most interesting questions of the season. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, a lot of eyes will be on Duke yeah, <laughs> after they won that title. So that'll be something to uh, for Big Ten fans to keep an eye on as that uh, Big Ten ACC challenge. But, uh, but Ricky, uh, one final question here before before we let you go. Um, what what do you expect out of, out of this year's Final Four? I, I know you talked about uh, Kentucky there for a little bit, but uh, who do you think makes it? Um, and and I guess uh, does does the Big Ten get a team in? I have. I have no idea on Final Four projections. I hadn't really <laughs> thought about that previously. Like I said, I think this year is wide open, so I think you're going to get some weird teams in there, uh, which should be fun. Maryland, you know, they're the team best equipped to reach the Final Four, certainly, out of the Big Ten. And like I said, I can see Indiana as the boom and bust team of this season, a squad that could go out in the first round. Or, you know, they have the talent and the shooting to make the Final Four around that backcourt if they want to. So uh, I'm going to cop out here. I'm not going to give an answer because I really don't know. But I will say... I will say that I really like Michigan this year. I think uh, Michigan sort of had a nightmare season last year. Everyone got hurt. Even when everyone was healthy, they were losing the NJIT in uh, eastern Michigan. But uh, the late-season development of guys like Aubrey Dawkins and uh, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman, who those are guys who didn't enter the program with a lot of hype in terms of recruiting, but they really developed well uh, heading into last season. We know John Beeline can always put together a great offense when he's got shooters, and he's got a ton of shooters this year. The only question is what they have inside with Ricky Doyle and Mark Donnell sort of splitting the center minutes. So if those guys can hold their own at center, you just look at this team with Levert back, uh, Zach Irvin sort of the perfect type of four-man to stretch the floor and get him playing the type of style Beeline wants to play. Also, Derek Walton, one of the better two-way point guards uh, in the conference, certainly. So, I kind of like Michigan, despite all the all the turmoil they suffered last year. I wouldn't be surprised if a team like that even made it around this season. Yeah, well, uh, well, Ricky, uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks. Thanks uh, again for everyone. That was uh, Ricky O'Donnell from uh, SB Nation. Uh, he, he's the college basketball writer. They just posted their preview. I, I want to say two days ago. Um, Awesome. Definitely worth a read. Um, you can just search SB Nation College Basketball on Google. It'll pop right up. Um, they do a lot of great stuff. He does a lot of great coverage. Um, they kill the recruiting um, and obviously the, the NCAA tournament coverage. But uh, but with that, that's our uh, that's our podcast for today. Uh, the first official day of college basketball. Um, it's exciting. The Big Ten should be uh, really interesting all year. You have some Final Four contenders. Uh, you, you know, you heard it from uh, from Ricky there. Um, obviously, me and Josh both think there are a couple Big Ten teams that could be in the in the picture. But um, yeah, it should be an exciting uh, year. And and again, we'll have 
a podcast each Friday uh, that you can check out. Um, however you listen to it. I know a lot of people go through iTunes and all that, but uh, it should be on site on Friday afternoon. So uh, give it a listen, check us out, and uh, we, we'll see you next time.